Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Network podcast. This is a series of conversations aimed at building stronger connections throughout the improv community. I'm James Quesada. And I'm Bob Wick. And once again, we are in the same room for only the third time in the history of this podcast, which is very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, Bob is visiting in New York. Mm -hmm. And also, let me move my coffee so I don't spill it when I do this, with his new fiance, Natalie. Uh, former uh, or, or guest on last week's uh, podcast. They right. just got engaged on uh, Monday. Yep. Now we're matching. <laughs> now we're matching clothes already. Yep, yep. <laughs> that was not rehearsed or required, planned. Required to wear yeah. the same color palette Around at the our... very least and pattern preferred. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, we're very excited. It's been a great week of Bob hanging out in New York and uh, very happy to be able to do these sh uh, last two weeks of shows um in the same room very very cool yeah. that yeah have you enjoyed your week in, in new york oh yes yeah it's felt it feels like i've been here for like four weeks because we've just been doing so many things and, and you take little naps so it feels like the day started all over again as soon as you recharge and it's go 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 time uh this city does not sleep i love it yeah yeah I, I, and i because you're you uh you work some long hours uh, work hard play hard so it's, it's always fun when you have uh <laughs> No bedtime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Awesome. So uh, we are, oh, I, I guess uh, uh, just housekeeping stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. We are your education team for the Improv Network. Um, you can go to the improvnetwork.org to check out all sorts of great resources related to improv, including blogs and interviews. Make yourself a profile as a performer. Not just one profile, so many profiles. You can make yourself a profile, make your team a profile. Make your dog a profile only if he improvises, but keep on going until you run out of profiles. If there's a type of profile you don't see, request it. We'll try to get a template going. We're not for profiling, you. we're profilers. It's the difference. Um, <laughs> you can also check out the uh, Improv FAQ tab on the Improv Network and check out the archive of these conversations as well as mini lectures on improv topics uh, as well. And we are very excited to uh, have our episode for today and a very fantastic guest um, that uh, is going to talk with us all about uh, immersive theater. Um, she's somebody who has been directing uh, theater for over 10 years. Um, she's directed uh, many immersive theater shows, including Posthumous, uh, which is a show that um, Mel Leon was on here to talk with us about right. uh, a while back. And she is directing an upcoming show called Cold Case, which is also an immersive virtual experience. Uh, and she is the director and founder of Phoenix Tears Productions. Please welcome Mallory Vance. Yes. Hello. Hello. Uh, well, first, show. congrats on your engagement. Oh, I feel you. like you guys buried the lead earlier. I, you know, yeah, didn't know they were newly oh, yeah. engaged. We were talking about throw pillows for a good 20 minutes. <laughs> So congrats. Thank That's you. exciting. Um, and uh, uh, thank you for, for joining, Mallory. Um, we're very excited to talk to you. Uh, so I, I guess for starters, um, I'm sure that the conversation will lead us to all sorts of points that um, we laid out in your intro there. Um, but I feel like immersive theater, much like improv, is a uh, theater medium that people don't always know what to expect or what to think of right. when they hear the term. Um, so would you mind setting us up with a bit of a definition of what immersive theater is? Sure. So immersive theater comes in 
a few different varieties because uh, some is interactive and immersive and some is just immersive. And it's essentially the idea of making the audience part of the show. So whether that is the show is set in a coffee shop and so you actually have it in a coffee shop so that the audience can order coffees and see the show sort of happening around them. Oh. Or it's the kind of show where audience become characters uh, similar to like a live action role play or an immersive video game sort of environment where the things that they do actually affect the outcome of the show. Uh, improv also certainly, especially improv comedy shows have a little bit of an immersive element with the ability of the audience to suggest things or sometimes participate mm -hmm. uh, depending on what sort of improv show you go to. And that kind of game dynamic uh, plays into immersive theater. There's also the choose your own adventure idea, which is the audience is watching a traditional show in that they're sitting and there's action happening on the stage, but every once in a while you get to vote or make a choice that changes where the story goes, like a choose your own adventure book kind of feel. So was there a show that you saw when you were younger that kind of influenced you to, to 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 prefer this kind of performance or so when i was little i went to a production of peter pan uh which i'm obsessed with peter pan the original play and the musical cool. and the everything about peter pan cool. and yeah. <laughs> i went to a production of peter pan that was theater in the round which means the audience surrounds the stage all the way but it was specifically staged so that they came in and out of the audience and sort of drew people into the action. And I was mesmerized as a small child. I was like, this is the most magical thing I've ever seen. And then when I moved down to Florida, a group called Pseudonym Productions, uh, which was stationed here and now is in Pennsylvania, uh, did a show called Wind Shadows Fall, which was in a warehouse and you uh, were assigned to a character who you followed around and did missions for. And depending on what you did, different things happened during the whole story. And it was just like in this fully immersive warehouse environment that was a secret underground society in Orlando. And cool. I was hooked. I spent entirely too much money attending that show. Week <laughs> I don't think I would too. That sounds incredible. Because I would have to see like, I made this choice this time. What happens when I go left instead of right? I wanted to follow as many characters as possible. I started dressing up for the specific factions. Wow, you so that I yeah, I was I was absolutely hooked. And the people who created that, Ricky and Sarah, were incredibly supportive. And so when I started doing stuff, they were very encouraging and gave a lot of advice and were willing to let me see behind the scenes of stuff that they'd done so that we could grow that same sort of uh, immersive environment. That's amazing. And, and so um, I want to ask you about then you, your process of uh, starting to create and direct immersive theater. Um, but just before we move on from like just kind of defining it, uh, because I, I did think it was very interesting. I saw um, looking at some of your previous shows and things that you uh, worked on that uh, in there was immersive stage, immersive virtual, and also like immersive audio drama. Is that right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So like that, that's, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, well, I, I have always thought of immersive as, as being, um, you know, as the interactive element being like essential to it. But um, 
and then I was like, no, that makes perfect sense though. That that like the idea of an immersive audio drama could also um, stand, you know, under that title mm -hmm. as well. But can can you get kind of give a definition of how that works differently? Something like that. Sure. So our immersive audio dramas are um, a sort of derivative of pod play, and pod play is something where you listen to an audio experience anywhere. Uh, our immersive audio dramas are location specific, and they usually also do involve a live actor. Oh, so you okay. are listening wow. to a full 360 soundscape, and then you're following a live actor through physical space who doesn't speak. Our actors love this. They don't have to memorize any lines at all. Yeah, to be, uh, <laughs> that's my kind of acting. I love mm -hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, it's largely okay. <laughs> pantomime performance. But it allows us to create things like a world of pirates and fairies where an evil siren steals your soul. Because with the sound, you can create a world that like doesn't exist in front of you which is really nice yeah. uh and we have used that for several haunt experiences and some fantasy experiences and there are also uh some immersive people who do like immersive pod plays um darkfield radio is a group that does binaural like bioral full 360 sound that you sit in a specific room in your house and listen to uh like the kitchen. And so as you sit in the kitchen, you hear this person talking to you and you can hear them like moving around and opening cabinets and like looking for things and cooking something. So if you sit in your kitchen, you are immersed in the experience. Yeah. I, that's what I was imagining is, is more of like mm -hmm. a guided uh, experiences, but that, it's amazing that there's an interactive element to uh, audio drama as well, or, or, or I didn't even think of how that might work, but that's, right. yeah, that's fantastic. That's a whole world that I didn't even yeah, we use immersive. silent disco uh, headphone tech. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. what, what so everybody, it? silent yeah. disco headphone tech. Is it? So it's uh, essentially RFID headphones that okay, yeah. the audience wears that are noise canceling. And then a uh, system that allows us to transmit that to the group. And gotcha. silent disco tech works like across a football field. So we have all sorts yeah. of range, which is really nice. And has the opportunity, there are, every headphone has three channels. So if you have three separate transmitters at a silent disco, they play like disco music on this one and hard rock on this one and easy listening on this channel. And you just flip between what you want to listen to. Uh, but we are working, like one of the best things about this tech is we are trying to develop an immersive audio drama that is also uh interactive choose your own adventure style where you switch channels oh, when you ah. make decisions of what you want to do. Yeah, it's wild. Okay, yes, I believe I've seen this. Uh, the the uh, silent disco is the term. I'm, lear right. I'm learning way more than already. I'm, I'm learning way more than I expected to. I've seen a couple of silent discos. It being on the outside and watching it, it's so much fun. Like everybody's just having a good time. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Being cool. on the outside of our immersive audio dramas also hilarious. Yeah, uh, sure. because we try to get the audience to call in response to things oh, that they're hearing. Yeah. So like we have a show that has a general in it. And one of the things, so she's walking around in front of you and she says, do you understand that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. You say, <laughs> yes, sir. And like, so then from the outside, people just see a bunch of people in headphones. They don't hear anything. And the whole audience just goes, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> or we make them sing pirate now, shanties, all sorts of stuff. Is it oh, like wow. in, in like somewhat public places that are like, that, that, mm -hmm. okay, okay. Like sort of almost like a tour guide or like a, uh, you know, a public tour or, or whatnot. So 
that's <laughs> yeah like when get get the headphones at the museum and like Oh, yeah. This is and, uh, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. And yeah. so we've, we've done them outside, like along the streets in the city or in the park, um, public park. So uh, this last show to... was at a Christmas tree farm. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'd, I'd get excited if I wrote something that made people walk through like uh, the middle of our, our town, Ferndale, and just had to react to people. Oh my gosh. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Yeah. It's nice for us too, because it's both like, a piece that we're performing and people are enjoying and right. also advertisement because yeah. the amount of people who are like, what are you guys doing? Like we have uh, developed over time that this show when we are in public has to have two techs at every time you need a tech right. who's running the audio. And then we have to have a tech whose job is to make sure the audience is going where they should go. And also head off all of the people who are going to wander up being like, what are you guys up to? Oh yeah. Wranglers. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which like I met, like you said, it's great. It's great. Ever, or like exposure basically is, is just mm -hmm. to get people asking questions. Um, but yeah, then <laughs> to have somebody to stop them from asking direct questions. Right? <laughs> yeah. To stop them from interrupting the actors. Yeah. That's yeah. the main thing. Um, Okay, great. So, so uh, just a, one note to our audience, been mentioned at the top, as always, feel free to chime in with any questions you might have about immersive theater or anything related to the thread of conversation that we're on. Um, and then Mallory, so when you start creating your own immersive shows, what is it like to go through the, um, the process of actually bringing a show concept to life from the idea. Yeah. So uh, there are two uh, sort of separate tracks. One is for like our in-person or Zoom based immersive shows. And then one is for the audio dramas. So for audio dramas, it is developing a concept, an idea that we want to work on, checking in with our audio designer and making sure that she's not going to murder us for trying <laughs> to create this sound environment. Uh, I really want to do a carnival one. It will happen eventually. I just got to warm her up to the idea of a lot of circus <laughs> music. <laughs> um, and so we come up with a concept for that. And then we essentially sketch out the arc of the show. We go on location where we're going to do it to sort of time out our beats and figure out like where we want to be in the physical space as things happen. And then we write a script and then those get pre-recorded. So we have voice actors come in who record the audio and then our sound designer mixes in all of the other things. And then we time it and then we time it again and then we time it again and then we edit and change a few things to make sure that the flow is right. And then we set our actors loose with the track to engage with it and pantomime with it and sort of move from there. And we build into the audio of the track interactive elements. And we also use um, a essentially a mobile version of QLab that mm -hmm. allows us to split the track up and start it at specific spots so that if the audience does this action, it's this audio next. If the audience does this action, it's this audio next, that sort of thing. So they can answer questions in real time and we will have a section of canned responses. That is something that has like evolved. Uh, our first yeah. audio drama ever, we did not have any of this tech. Uh, we yeah. had tracks on SoundCloud, two tracks. You chose to either follow the pirate or the fairy and you had to get on SoundCloud on your phone and we had headphones because this was before lightning connections. Yeah. Uh, we had headphones available to everybody 
you got on the SoundCloud link. We did a countdown. Everybody pressed play at the same time. And then they walked off and the two tracks had to be timed exactly right because they had places where they interacted with each other. And we have techs with stopwatches. So whenever your track got messed up for whatever reason, you just put your hand in the air and the tech looks at their stopwatch for the time and like scrubs you to the correct time. And we've come a long way since then. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, really, I, our audio designer did so much work on that first show that like, cause we had to cross a street with a crosswalk, which was the dumbest decision oh. we have ever made. For a show that is timed and pre-recorded to mm -hmm. need enough time to cross oh, the totally, street. Yeah. Um, but we managed that. And then for our in-person immersive shows, we come up with the story structure and essentially beats for the scene. So either if it's an interactive murder mystery, we do a lot of those. It is. We come up with the concept of the world. We come up with what is essentially ends up being like very stereotypical characters. So like the mean one, the nice one, like you're just looking for stereotypes. Um, and then a little bit about their relationship between each other. Like why do they dislike each other? And then some scenes that need to happen. And it's the same with our immersive zoom shows and our other interactive pieces like that. It is a general outline. And then we bring the actors in and try to, devise as much with them as possible because in this type of show the audience is with you all the time and they will ask you a million questions and those questions will be things like what did you eat for lunch today instead of something relevant to the plot so it really helps us to really develop the characters and relationships with the actors because then they know those a lot more and so then we'll develop who the characters are and we'll take that big stuff and tighten it down into what we need to actually make sure is said during the show. And okay. we'll rehearse like beat by beat, scene by scene. Here's what you need to say. Here is what is part of this interaction between these two characters has to say these four things. So we're going to rehearse the scene that makes sure that you say those four things, but we understand that if the audience interrupts you between those two things, like you just got to make your way back around to it. And that's where like the improv part comes in. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's incredible. And, and, and so, so really all, all my, my mind just keeps going to this idea of how many moving parts there are and like how many yes. different hats you have to play as a director. Cause you're, cause you're, um not only creating the narrative and the story and finding a way to, to like have that play out mm -hmm. but you're also thinking of logistic ways to guide an audience and to and to have the, the technical elements that you need on on either side um or like the production elements um whether it's mm -hmm. like costume and setting and just how to how to navigate either the space you're going to be in or the and or the um, the technical elements that are going to guide people through their even even when you're even when you are guiding people to use their own devices and get on SoundCloud, there's still a logistic right. element of like um, having to think about you know what what are going to be the most uh, any any hiccups that people have or like right. I, I I don't see it or like you know. Um, yeah. I, I started it. How do I, can I go back or whatever? I don't I know. I think like, about all the times <laughs> I had to help my parents do like FaceTime. Uh, and we have to do that every Thanksgiving. So I think, wow, that could be just a lot getting that started depending on who your audience member is. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a bit of a, the headphones have made that much easier because we can just have them turned on and set. And it's just like, do you hear this audio in your ear? The audio in your ear is like, if you can hear me, raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, for the SoundCloud one, we did have a narrator who starts the story uh, and asked the audience to do like in our kids show, it was like, we're going to do a dance together. And in the adult show, it was like, we're going to do a ritual to summon the spirits. And so it asks the audience to like raise their hands, to turn in a circle, to like do these things. And then that's the first like four minutes of the show, which lets all of us techs go, that person's not moving. I'm going to go check and see if their audio is going. Yeah. Like, but that, having that built into, uh, I guess having to do all of that while maintaining the imagination and, and the fabric of the show is just impressive to me. And, right. um, and to be honest is like, uh, I like what I, one of the things I love about improv is that it's, it's all stripped down to like no costume or improv comedy is no costumes, no real like theater and set pieces for most shows. Um, and so I, you know, if I'm going to direct a show in that world, I get to really zero in on like one set of something. Um, but like, do you, is, is part of what you love about the immersive theater, like all of those things together? Like, like, yeah, part of what I love about like me personally, what I love about immersive theater is the like ever changing dynamics of things. No show in theater in general, every show is different, but in immersive theater, every show is different. Mm -hmm. Like because the way the audience interacts wildly changes things. And that, what I always have enjoyed like I enjoy the sort of on the move on your feet kind yeah, of element of it um I also do enjoy the immersive environments but part of the reason we've done a lot of immersive audio dramas is because one of the bummers about like serious immersive theater is it's a little cost prohibitive mm. because you do need like the sets and like that really immersive environment. And yeah. so like, if you can't find a vampire's castle to have your vampire show in, then you have to create a vampire's castle and that can be uh, kind of crazy. But I've always enjoyed that. Uh, one of the biggest names in immersive theater is Sleep No More, which is a version of McBee that happens in New York that I'm sure mm -hmm. you guys probably heard of. Mm -hmm. uh, they, essentially rent out a beautiful space with a bunch of different rooms and you put on a mask and you wander however you want to through the story of McBee following a particular character, just wandering from room to room. And the characters traverse their story while traversing the space. Um, it's not, it's interactive in that the characters will draw you into the story, but it's not gamified. So you don't change the outcome of McBee. Like if you decide to like try and save Lady M or like stop her from murdering the king, you can't do that. But right. you can uh, essentially like become part of the story. And so we love that element of it. And that's what really appeals to me is the chance for the audience to like really experience theater in a different way. And so I like that. And I don't mind the hundreds of things happening at all the time because I am the producer and director for these shows. Uh, and I producing is just doing a hundred things at once and trying to make it all line up. And that's the part that I'm good at. I do not act in these shows. And there is a good reason for that too. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, because you have enough on your plate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, really quick, I'm, I keep on thinking about when you're going into an immersive environment, how important is like transitions? And what do you do to keep like the suspension of disbelief going when you're when you actually have to give people direction like oh you have to walk we have to cross this the street uh be careful of the cars <laughs> i know <laughs> whether you're following the 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 pirate or the ferry that is a real car so so yeah <laughs> please yeah. be careful uh so a lot of it is uh the onboarding experience so for example when we do our immersive zoom shows I usually have a little bit of like outside of universe where we are getting people into the Zoom and making sure that their technical stuff is working uh, so that they can all enjoy the experience. And then we have an in-universe introduction that usually runs you through like how to turn your video on and off and that's muting and talking to the chat. And I am the AI system when we're part of that. Okay. So as the text, so like in universe, I am the AI system. So it's, if you have any problems, you can reach out to posthumous AI and they'll help you out. And so I'm always there as the AI system. So I'm in universe while still being somebody who can help you with tech problems. Uh, the other thing that's helpful is we build our shows for the environment we put them in. So our posthumous show, like part of the environment is that people plug into this digital system so the fact that it's on Zoom makes sense. No one feels pulled out by being on Zoom. They're like, oh, yes, I have just logged into this digital system like everybody else has. This is how employees work at this company. And so we try and build that sort of thing in for, like you're talking about the immersive audio dramas. Um, you can make a street, not a street. Uh, the pirates had to sing sea shanties as they rowed across the river. Uh, to get to the rum on the other side. (laughs) Also a great time is uh, a bunch of people in what looks like silence, just singing mostly off key sea shanties. Yeah. I'm just thinking Um, about the card stopped and watching a a bunch of people with headphones singing. And Uh, the same, like the fairies, uh, we treated it like water often and fairies uh, don't like water because their wings get wet. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was, you know, she does like a little spell that builds a bridge that you can cross over and it's the crosswalk and it's not built until the light goes green, that sort of thing. Uh, for kids, we did a lot of, uh, for our kids show, it was destiny, like the fairy and pirate being like, well, you know, I don't come out of Stardust Kingdom very often, like I'm visiting the mortal realm, but this, these traffic lights are like a new thing that we've added and like, a little bit about we told like a little bit of the history of traffic lights and like a story about them because then the kids are engaged and actively paying attention with adults you can like really be like guys this is a river and we're just gonna cross it kids also get into that but they'll cross the river when there are cars so it's better to be like right. this is a street <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna look both ways but you're yeah. gonna look both ways while hanging on to the hands of a fairy so it's super cool <laughs> yeah yeah man i i have uh so many questions uh that i uh i I guess let me just start with with one which is less of a question and more just uh i love what you said about the onboarding experience being really crucial to how the rest of the immersive experience pans out because it just it just really reminds me of that being true for just about anything like like in the sense that um we've talked on this show about 
directing a process or teaching a class or whatever it is, you know, when we talk about like challenges or issues that come up in any of those processes that like one of the best things you can do is just set expectations at the beginning. Um, and uh, just hearing you describe why that's so important um, to just like tend to all the things you need to set the expectation and, and the rules and do it also in a way that's like at the same time bringing people into you're setting a tone uh, you're setting you're, you're establishing a world which is which is really awesome um have there been like ha, like have there been challenges or, or or key learning experiences for you where where like you you were missing some kind of thing that that was going to keep people engaged or um that seemed to like not be enough to keep people like through the the, the whole show or experience where like man we got we got to create a rule for whatever keeps happening somewhere down the line in this right. show like how do you learn those what what to do in the yeah. onboarding so trial and error um yeah <laughs> you know when you so our especially in person we have gotten a pretty good grasp of stuff but we did an in-person murder mystery where i know our onboarding wasn't set up clearly enough because we had an actor or a player an audience member who got so excited that they started essentially creating false evidence because uh, they got really invested. And so they were like writing notes that were not part of the story. Uh, and so part of our onboarding process became like <laughs> talking about how you need to look at everything and read everything, you know, but this is information for you to take in in order to solve the murder mystery not information for you to like give out to like try and encourage people to not do that in the future. Yeah. Um, Cause that got really like, we ended that show and no one had guessed the murderer and we were all like, what happened? Like not everyone guesses, but usually we get like two or three people and we're like, we don't know how this went wrong. And then we were cleaning up stuff for the end of the night and like putting everything back. And found all of these notes that were not part of our stuff. And so we added that to onboarding. Um, for Zoom shows, I also attend a lot of shows. And so I watch everybody else's onboarding process and I steal from them. Nice. Yeah. 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 And again, same thing with with um, improv comedy. It's, it's like uh, I've at some point started to really pay attention to the way that a show introduces itself. Um, one, one of my favorite is improvised Shakespeare it has this whole, um, you know, soliloquy, uh, not, not, not like the okay. intro to, to the show, but, but oh. they're, they're actual like the uh, ensemble. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, hold, yeah. they, they have a whole like light and sound cue. And then, but then they're mm -hmm. like, you know, they, they just, they just really succinctly package the way that they're going to do the show, but they do it, you know, in language that is right in between like the bridging of, of like modern and also giving it some like, Shakespearean like like formality or, or uh, eloquence um and uh I I think and I guess I'll speak for myself but like it, it, for a long time it was just wasn't not something that I thought about enough when if I was having um problems with like or not feeling a hundred percent about how a class would go or coaching or or even even the show you know like well uh that audience just wasn't really into it and it's like well if you look at like where was the disconnect maybe yeah. maybe they they were just weren't understanding how you were you were using this the suggestion or if you were uh 
and just like setting those little things. I just think is uh, again, I, I got really jazzed about um, thinking about things in that way because of how crucial it is. It, it seems more clear the path between onboarding to the success of an immersive show. But I think that also parallels uh, so much about um, creating a group experience for an audience or a team of any kind. Yeah, I would say that onboarding is important. And onboarding is even important in traditional theater, uh, just to set up like the atmosphere and the scope of the show and like really get people uh, interested. I have found that curtain speeches that are themed, even they seem a little ridiculous, like yeah. do get people more interested. Uh, so I, I went to a musical where they their curtain speech, which is just the speech like, thank you so much for attending. Here where the exits are. Please remain seated. Please turn off your cell phone. All of that stuff. Used the titles of all of the songs in the musical. Oh, oh cool. That's and so cool. I was like, that's so clever. Like yeah. I was engaged the whole time. I'm paying attention. And I really was like, oh, the story has started because I just heard you say the bells of Notre Dame, which I know is a song in Hunchback. So like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you're setting. It's not exactly, but almost like you're setting up a game and here are the rules that we, and, and our expectations. And this is how we would wish you enjoy this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. just, you know, just stay within these lines and we're going to be, we're going to all have a good time. For our newest Zoom show, <laughs> I will be uh, recording a like screen share, essentially like a screen recording video of me doing the settings because I saw that in a show that I just attended a couple months ago. And I was like, oh, my God, how did I not think of this? I, I have been trying to explain how to change the view to people in Zoom for months. And it never occurred to me to just record. How did I? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Because when you share your screen, which I had thought about, right. when you share your screen on Zoom, Zoom does not show up on your share screen. Right. Yeah. So I can't share my Zoom interface. And so I was like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like, I could just show people. And then I watched the screen recording and I was like, I've been the dumbest person. <laughs> so yeah. we're doing that next. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. And like, like you said, it's, it's just like trial and error. And, and there are things that like again just keeping an eye out for for like um you because i'm sure you still have a flag in your head of like this is really difficult to do this part of it so you're mm -hmm. looking for a better solution for it and i think that that's like a really valuable mindset to always be in as a as a director or producer yeah yeah we're constantly looking for little things we can tweak and change and things that'll make stuff easier and really the way things have grown like looking from one show to another our first zoom show and this current one too because we've scaled back a little bit are two tracks five or six endings depending on what the audience does pretty well guided uh the show we did in the middle posthumous which i think is what mel mm -hmm. melanie leon came to talk to you guys about was five tracks 13 possible endings and the audience essentially had free reign to move around in all sorts like we had a tech assigned to each track and i was moving people back and forth between rooms as they like decided to abandon their post and join the rebels. Or if they were secretly spies sent by this other organization and they were like recruiting people or if they decided that they were gonna tell on people. And that sort of thing too, uh, the reason that it's very important and we audition specifically people who are strong with improv is because 
Sometimes an audience member gets drunk and just tells the bad guy that they're all liars and that they're cheating. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and you just have this moment where you're like, well, we have five different ways this scene could go and none of them are uh, actually this entire thing has been spoiled because an audience member just told you that they're all liars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about Cold Case, the upcoming show. And because I'm uh, I'm curious about um, both the writing of the, the world building. Right. I know you're, you're adding this onto the, the posthumous world, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also curious uh, about the, the, the casting and yeah, what you look for specifically in improv or uh, sorry, immersive performers. Um, so yeah. maybe let's start with like how how do you start writing um do you write it do you write it down <laughs> uh so we create so um megan who is another part of phoenix tears productions um and i have created this universe together uh and it also has been built on by the people who have been involved but essentially we came up with this idea for a digital afterlife company and then we came up with sort of structural things and we did a lot of world building so this is what posthumous is this is what the recovery program is we've named all of these things that they use this is a timeline of the show that is essentially like we are going to meet the characters we are going to view their memory we're going to tell them about their memory we're going to view another memory we're going to all group together and we're gonna see this other memory that we shouldn't see that's gonna teach us something scandalous. And then we're gonna like go talk to the people and then they're going to make the decision that creates the ending. And so we laid that out with a little bit of what we wanted. And then we auditioned people for characters that were called employee A, employee B, blank slate one, blank slate two, sister, best friend. Okay. ex-girlfriend or sorry ex-lover you know and so that was the characters that we had uh and then that's most of the writing we've done we've done a little bit we knew that like these two characters knew each other were married had a fight died on their wedding night like this is what we know and then we auditioned people and then we got with them and built the characters together as far as the audition process uh, we did it online because it was a Zoom-based show. Sure. And we played improv games, uh, but we specifically were talking to people about this is long-form dramatic improv, not necessarily comedic improv, mm -hmm. which is a similar structure but different muscles. And we have several people involved in our show who are like comedic improv people. And then we have some people who've never done comedic improv before, but we also highly encouraged anybody who likes to play Dungeons & Dragons to be a part of this because that same sort of skill that makes you really good at tabletop role play is sort of what we're looking for is creating within a structure of a world where you're developing your own unique character. And so we auditioned everybody in pairs or groups of three. We did a couple of improv based games that we had chosen. And then we also had them build sort of what we knew we needed for our show, which for our show was, I'm gonna give you a little bit of information about your life. So Bob, I'm going to tell you that you 
recently got engaged in New York City. And then you have to go, oh my gosh, I remember that. It was it was the middle of winter and it was really cold. And all I could think as I knelt down was, dear God, why am I doing this in the snow? And, you know, just things oh, like that. You know the whole story. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Were you there? And so, <laughs> yeah. And so we want them to sort of grow and develop. And that's the kind of thing that we wanted to make sure that we work on. And the other thing too, is that we had them do some cold reads, which don't necessarily happen because we knew that part of our structure too was a little bit of canned stuff that we needed you to be able to deliver authentically. Great. And that's the process. Uh, and then our first auditions, I mean, we found a lot of people that we loved working with. And then when we needed more people, we auditioned again and we also talked to the people we were already doing these shows with, but a lot of our posthumous universe, like the people we had in our first show have like been involved with us now throughout the universe. And we, have had the opportunity to, to carry over some characters, which is really nice for the audience who attends. Oh yeah. Cause our story is set sort of like, um, our first show was set in 2008 and this one is set in 2010 and posthumous was set like contemporarily in 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we've then also like built a timeline of this company and of the major players so that, as we expand and build more shows, if we want to like put another show in, we know like kind of what the world is like. Well, let me ask you, and uh, excuse me if this is repetitive, um, <laughs> but I'm wondering when you come up with a story idea, is it, oh, this is a, this is, I come up with, because I have the world and now this is a story in this world, or do I come up with a story and how do I make it fit into this world? Um, Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, I would say... <laughs> Our initial uh, concept is usually so, is usually broad. So uh, Stardust Kingdom, which is another, it's a kids universe that we've created where we've done several audio dramas and a couple of live action shows, was literally, I want to do a show with a pirate and a fairy. <laughs> and so I, know I knew I, stories. <laughs> I wanted to do a show with a pirate and a fairy. Like, that's what Megan and I wanted. And we were like, this is what we want. So now we are going to figure out a storyline that can involve a pirate and a fairy, and then we will build a world. But then we have Stardust Kingdom, and Stardust Kingdom has a little bit of a timeline because of what we established in that initial story. Uh, and so then the next time we wanted to do a Stardust Kingdom story, we had to be like, okay, what sort of stories can we tell in this universe? Cause now I'm limited to like this kind of story. And then also where can this fit? So our initial Stardust Kingdom show was about Darcy, the pirate and destiny, the fairy meeting for the first time and using the power of friendship to defeat the evil queen. And in that story, you learn that Darcy is a regular human, that destiny is a fairy who's 400 years old, but that's very young for a fairy. Uh, and that the evil queen used to be a good and great ruler until her heart got broken. And now she's evil. But by the end of the show, she's back to being nice. Uh, and that she like did a lot of destruction in the last period of time. Like she's responsible for our characters being orphans because it's an adventure tale and all the kids have to be orphans. Yeah. Um, 
And so it's a rule. It's a rule. Yeah. We didn't write it. So then when we built other stories, if I wanted to have Destiny and Darcy in it, it had to take place after that because in this story we established this the first time they've met. So we have to like sort of plan it after that and incorporate that sort of thing. But we also did a show um, during quarantine. We did an choose your own adventure YouTube video for yeah. Kids Fringe. Uh, yeah, so you can essentially like you watch the little video and then Destiny's like, I don't know, which way should I go? And you like pick left or right in the annotations and depending on what you click, it plays a different video for you. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really uh, but I only had the fairy available because the guy who was playing the pirate wasn't part of our pod. He like is someplace else. Uh, but Megan, who is my writing partner and a huge the artistic director for Phoenix Tears plays the fairy. So I was like, I've got the fairy, but I don't have the pirate. So we had a friend who was a member of our pod play a new character. And then we set the story way before everything that happened in Star's Kingdom uh, and created this whole idea that then this knight was like frozen in ice by the evil queen. So we could like thaw her out later, even though this is like hundreds of years in the future, if we wanted to use her again. Yeah, that's that's so awesome, and and then uh, this may be maybe this is this is trivial, but I think it seems so so important to me uh, just to like picture <laughs> how the, the behind the scenes of it, uh, creating and directing is like how much of this and in what way are you writing down and like how do how do you kind of like um, catalog the rules or or like um, share them? You know, like like once once you as you're building on everything, how do you kind of like keep a timeline of the way that you're letting it grow and develop and, and what you've decided, what direction you've decided to take it in. So we have for posthumous, we have a document that's just the posthumous timeline and posthumous is weird because it ends drastically differently depending on what the audience does. Yeah, so there's right. an ending with, for posthumous where everybody is murdered. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So you got, you have um, your own multiverse. Yeah. So, like, there was an ending for Posthumous where everybody is murdered. Yeah. Uh, which is part of the reason that we may not write past that particular show. Like, we'll try and fit stuff in before that. Okay. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind. So when we're creating, we have a timeline of the company mm -hmm. that goes up until the Posthumous show. And then if we decide to create after that, we'll sort of, like, figure out how it happens. Right. And then we make note of events, like important events that could happen or did happen, uh, depending on like what the audience did and that sort of thing. And those, as we're doing the show, get added into this timeline document. So that when we're trying to create something new, I go, okay, so if we're doing this, it happens before this character is fired, but after this character like gets their other job, uh, and so we want to make sure that we leave that in. And especially because we have returning audience for a show like this, it's important for us to acknowledge the stuff that's come before. Mm -hmm. But we do have a repeating character in this show where we have to be like, hi, guys, we know that some of you saw an ending where this character's mind got completely wiped. <laughs> uh, it didn't. In the <laughs> like, yeah. I'm better now. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, her mind was wiped, but uh, people helped her recall her memories and now she's back uh, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there is that sort of added element, which is what makes it difficult to like create a big immersive show and then like try and create more in that universe. You have to be like, listen, 
we under like this is the same world and we understand that you maybe saw an ending where you'd now be like excuse me but how is this character here but we also yeah. don't want to develop completely new characters because people love some of these characters yeah. like right you get attached yeah yeah you want to keep the, the yeah the things that that you love about the show or or that the audience does mm-hmm. you know intact but 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 also feeling fresh so you got to like i don't yeah. know it's it's an interesting challenge to keep uh developing it in new ways um and again like it just um there are mediums that i really uh am drawn to for my own reasons and and it just it seems that it must take a a a, a the world building I, I would find far too challenging or, or like when I sit down and I really like think about writing, writing like, you know, uh, the idea of a novel, you know, like, uh, like I just can't wrap my head around um, how to keep it all organized and consistent, but still like dynamic enough to like. Uh, so I, I'm just impressed when uh, for, for anybody who has that kind of um, big picture view um, but that then can also create really detailed moments and experiences uh, inside of that really big picture. Because I feel like I can really only do one or the other, focus on the details or the big picture. Well, it's uh, good to have partners. So uh, Megan oh, yeah. really helps with that. Like, I absolutely 100%, I love world building. Like, I'm about it. Documents upon documents of, like, everything that exists in the world and, like, taking notes on all the stuff and, like, creating the timeline. And then when we have an idea of something we'd want to create, I'll be like, this is where it goes. This is like what it would cause that sort of thing. And so I love the big picture and coming up with like broad strokes stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also like coming up with relations between characters. So I love being like, okay, so we're going to set up this show. I think that this person should be related because of this. And we should find out this and this about them because that would be intriguing for the audience to find out. And then Megan will sit down and be like, okay, great. So these are the scenes we should have, you know, and how those interactions happen. And for our immersive audio dramas, we sit down together and for Stardust, um, like that's such a shared world between us now that like, It'll just be like, all right, so we need a fall show for Stardust. And I'll be like, all right, yeah, I can I can do that. I have a great idea for like what we can create for a fall show for Stardust. Cool. And be like, oh, there's a winter show. Okay, I really, you know, I have something I can do with that. And we sort of trade off uh, to do Stardust Kingdom. And then whatever we add, we put into the major timeline to be like, these are the events of Stardust Kingdom. For our other immersive audio dramas, we usually sit down together to spitball concepts and come up with ideas and then uh, Megan goes off and writes a script and then we you know come back together and look it over and edit and that sort of thing and so it's really nice to like have somebody else to balance you out yeah I, I right. imagine yeah yeah mm-hmm. also, I really like the 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 line you have to walk by being like uh, uh, a reliable narrator or uh, storyteller and a unreliable storyteller narrator uh well yeah we, we told you he was dead but he's not uh, much like the walking dead like i thought glenn died a hundred times before he actually did like <laughs> oh man he, he's under that thing yeah. he's gonna get, get him and then next season he's he's okay and i like really to cool. yeah i like to think about it you know like the stories we create are more like a comics universe you know which is like mm-hmm. yeah we did shoot captain america but like it wasn't real 
like yeah. like we shot him really and, and he died but also somebody had a cryogenic chamber and they just happened to catch him uh before he got there so like yeah we did entirely wipe beatrice's memory but uh phoenix felt bad and so he put her in the program and then she got her memories back and for some reason still decided to work at the company that wiped her you know what don't worry about it <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah um kurt has a question here uh from the audience and uh we touched on a, a, a little bit but um players who feel the urge to become more invested is it possible practical for them to evolve their own character or best to have players remain more or less passive participants outside of uh what they're prescribed a lot of p sounds kurt <laughs> <laughs> so, and I guess, go, go ahead go ahead oh yeah i was gonna say that depends on the type of immersive theater you're doing so if you're doing a more passive show so some of our earlier audio dramas are a little more passive because you're listening and following the instructions you're given and you have interacting elements, but you're not really developing a character. But for posthumous, oh yeah, people develop, like we encourage people to develop characters and be their own person. So like one of the tracks was the investors and we were like, James, Bob, oh my gosh, thank you so much for being willing to invest in the posthumous program. So tell me what interests you about posthumous. Tell me what your company is like, why do you have all this money? And so people really are encouraged to like create their own in-universe personas. Um, and that comes from wanting to give them agency to make decisions that will directly affect the outcome. Oh, yeah. Because at the end of the show, corporate, in posthumous, corporate needs Bob to invest. And if Bob doesn't invest, corporate loses. So they're trying real hard to get him to agree that his money should go to posthumous. Yep. Have you ever had an audience member make a character so cool you wish you could take it? Oh, <laughs> like, <for sure>. oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had a so he's a friend of mine who just really loves Batman. Okay, okay, we all have those, uh -huh. <laughs> like legit. And so he entered posthumous just deciding that he was gonna be Bruce Wayne. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and so he He's just got played the money. That. Yeah, so he just played that the whole time, and so like he played as the investor and then when he decided as bruce wayne he didn't want to do it he like put on a batman cowl and joined the rebels as batman but was trying to convince people that he was two different people the whole time it was great that's, that's so and that's the sort of thing that like you get in these shows that i love so yeah it yeah. definitely does depend but the main important thing for that is the onboarding process so you want to set up in your onboarding the level of interaction you're expecting people to have. And that is in how you greet them. So in our audio dramas, we greet people very much as a like, hey, hi, Bob, hi, James, come on, follow me. Like, we're gonna go on a tour of this haunted campground. So you guys just follow along with me. Don't worry, I'll take good care of you. Just listen to what I say and it's all gonna be all right. Well, let me tell I you promise about myself, no, yeah. <laughs> <Come> follow me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, like encourages you to do that versus if I say, "Wow, oh, James, Bob, we're so excited to have you guys here today as new posthumous employees. Like we're looking forward to seeing what you do as part of the company today, you know? Yeah. yeah and yeah, sort right. of you essentially in the onboarding, let them know the agency that they have. I went to a show where part of the onboarding was, hi guys uh welcome you know they did this poem and part of this poem was 
there will be things that will intrigue you. But remember the rules. There are no, you know, you cannot touch. You you cannot, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, follow where they lead you. They will not lead where you follow. Like that sort of thing. To like essentially let people know in universe what the expectations are. Well, going back to like your friend who was allowed to play Bruce Wayne. I just think I spent a lot of time with my nephew this uh, week because they were they were here for Thanksgiving and there was a lot of talk of skins. So like all his video games now, like the big thing is, oh, I got to get to this level so I can change my outfit so I can become, oh, I like Iron Man now, but not the old Iron Man, this new Iron Man who's all silver. Like how how this type of of emergence or emergence can be really appealing to that audience, that younger crowd who, who really cares about what what outfit or who who they get to be in this world that's been created for them. Yeah. Listen, video game people are like the people that we like want to draw in. They're they're just a little bit tougher to get. Um because yeah. unfortunately, like as wonderful as this is, like the graphics of Uncharted 4 are better than yes. than what you are yeah. experiencing right, right, right. in the Super Mario. <laughs> well, right now it is. We just started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um okay, well, so we're we're coming uh to the end of our time here yeah. and it's, it's been an awesome conversation, but I, I wanna uh just kind of um uh ask you about cold case just like give give the skinny on um where people yeah. can find all the info they need so uh you can find more about phoenix tears productions at phoenixtearsproductions.com or at phoenix tears pr on instagram twitter or facebook uh, and our next upcoming show which opens on december 8th is Cold Case, which is an immersive interactive show entirely on Zoom based in the posthumous universe, although you do not need to have experienced either of the other two shows to get a full experience from this. If you have, you'll just get extra Easter eggs. You, as lovely employees of the posthumous afterlife company, have been brought in to help the newly deceased explore their memories and remember their lives before they move on to the posthumous afterlife. Uh, tickets are available. You can find the link on our website. Uh, we sell through Ticket Leap, and tickets are $15 for general admission or $20 for a VIP that lets you pick which track you're on. There are two tracks and six possible endings. And so with VIP, you can choose your track, and you also get a talk back after the show with Megan and I, the creators, so you can ask us questions. Uh, or find out what you missed, what the Easter eggs are, what the endings are. And you also get downloads of the, I'm going to call it like ephemera, uh, the documentation and like videos and stuff that we view during the show. Oh, that's so cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that launches next Wednesday, correct? Yes. Yep. December 8th. Uh, so we have nighttime shows, the 8th through the 12th, and a daytime show on the 11th for people who are European. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's another thing you got to keep in mind with the virtual stuff too. Is like, can can you open up another uh, time zone for the reach that you can get? You know, yeah. yeah. Most of our shows are at eight p.m., but we have a nine p.m. show specifically so that West Coast people can come after work. Yeah, uh, oh, and then yeah. we have two matinees so that people who are in Europe or other places can attend. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Uh, well, thank you so much, Mallory. It's been a really great conversation, um, learning more about immersive theater and the shows that you've been working on. Uh, congratulations on the success you've had yeah. with them and all the best to uh, Cold Case. 
Um, Kurt, thanks so much for chiming in uh, with a great question and uh, tuning in to check out the conversations. We always appreciate seeing you there. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else in closing we need to touch on? No, I think we're good. Cool. Remember, we we're, remember. Oh, oh and uh, I, I guess uh, we I guess will say um, uh, we did a link to Phoenix Tears in uh, yes. the post for this um, for this episode. And we'll make sure to leave uh, links in the description to everything that Mallory mentioned. Yep. Um, and you can find us not only on these live streams, but uh, anywhere podcasts are found as well. Um, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks again to Mallory. And uh, we'll catch you next time on the Improv Network podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.